Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl. And me, Roger Bell West. The, uh, the rain, it raineth every day, just this time, time, time of the year. I am huddling in my, in my, in my, my, my little cave, and Roger, being part ice giant, is outside revelling most of the time. I was working in the gazebo this morning. And and did the rain rain every day? And was there wind and blasting? There was. The the, the fence to next door is gradually blowing down behind me. But yeah. And, and you're not distracted in the slightest, are you? Never mind. Ah, uh, you wanted to say? Well, first of all, uh, we have a tip jar. Um, thank you to Glenn Lewis for dropping some money in that because uh, it does encourage us to uh, keep doing the show. And we also wanted to say that. General Jacques, who we mentioned, I think, last month or the month before, having um, fallen ill and gone into hospital and appealing for your help there, I'm afraid she's passed from us. And one of the early mid-level giants of the of the hobby yeah, has I passed mean, from her. She started one of the first D&D fanzines, The Dungeoneer. Uh, she was responsible for um, the illustrations and design of uh, Griffin Mountain, which was one of the great uh, early supplements, one of the um, one of the world settings that showed us how it could be done. Um, which I, and, I believe was, was re- re- revised later as Griffin Island and uh, reasonably popular there as well. And there were the uh, and there were the central casting books, and. And dozens of other um, design and illustration jobs, which she made 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 better. Yeah, um, Travelers uh, Supplement Nine, which was basically the the um, Jane's warships of the Imperium, in effect, uh, was illustrated entirely by her, and and the and the, uh, the consistent style really worked well for me. It was one of the things that got me enthused about Traveler. Uh, and uh, the city books were hers, weren't they? Um, mm, flying buffalo. Yeah. Uh, the the idea being let let's take a chunk of a city and just list everything that happens in it. So you can say you know we we're, we're running around this corner. Well, what 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 what's the shop we're running around next to? It's this shop. Uh, she uh, was in her later years trying to revive her her earlier productions. I don't suppose we will see. Well, I, I've heard a suggestion that the revised central casting uh, had got far enough that uh, f- her friends are trying to put it together and get it actually finished and published. And if we hear about it being kickstarted, I think we will um, pass the message on. That would certainly but, encourage uh, me, yeah. Uh, I, worth noting, I think, also that she was some, something of a pioneer of the non-linear dungeon map in the very early days. Where you know a, a Gygax module is pretty much well, you you come in here and you go along here and you get this encounter and that encounter and that encounter, uh, and we fill the page with lots and lots of rooms. And yeah, there are still lots of rooms on the page, but there are, there are choices and there are ways round things. And you you don't necessarily have to do every encounter to get to the point you're trying to get to. So yeah, worth 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 uh, considering. So yeah. I don't think I ever actually met her. I may may have run in run into her briefly at a Gen Con when I was going to Gen Cons, but yeah. Oh well, the that was uh, that was another one gone from uh, gone from us. 
Last time, we were going on about our plans for the future, it being the traditional thing to do um, during the darkest seasons of the year. And this time, well, I'm going to announce that I have had a change of intentions. Um, I found that um, after my, my my Wednesday night group does a uh, all-day game session uh, during the week after Christmas because everybody's off and we can all get away. And after that, um, it was proposed that we start meeting again in person, which we have started to do. And this is um, very much uh, appreciated. And what I'm doing for it is... Um, is going to be a GURPS Dungeon Fantasy, or rather, let me get this right, a Dungeon Fantasy powered by GURPS uh, game with little bits out of GURPS Dungeon Fantasy when I think it's um, it's fun and adds to the game. We did mention last time that this was in the bundle of holding. By the time you hear this, it will be too late for you to buy it at the reduced price. And we take a certain sadistic pleasure in pointing this out to you. Um, it's still available uh, gen- as a di- as a uh, as a digital package, or um, or actually physically from yeah, I, I think I may still have a great big box of it somewhere. But oh I, well, I, I've run it. I've run it mo- almost entirely from PDF when I've been running that stuff. So yeah, the the, also, the, the thing reason I wanted that, to mention this is yeah. um, Hasbro not having been the greatest corporate citizen over the last year with the combination of the. Um, Attempt to destroy the OGL and then the huge layoffs just before Christmas and so on. God and, and, and you know the 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 way they employ Pinkertons to intimidate people into into giving up pre-release magic cards that they obtained entirely legally and yeah stuff like that. And I I've, I hear a lot of people say, but but I play D and D. What else is there? To which well, is, well, go Soldier of Fantasy or Pathfinder or but anyway. So I've but, I've been running a a. a Dungeon Bash game, and you're yeah. about to be running Dungeon Bash game, and um, yeah. in spite of, I, th- I think our usual preferences, I, I, I've certainly had some fun out of it. So, what 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 does one do about it these days? Well, why one of the reasons why I have chosen to go with uh, GURPS Dungeon Fantasy is that there's a fair bit of generic pre-created um, adventures for it. And I want I I have been tying my guts in knots, trying to do um, planning things far ahead and uh, doing a deep uh, diving and political uh, plans for games, and it's not been doing me any good. And I decided I wanted to get back to the primal pleasure of guiding a group or a, a ragtag group of adventurers around dangerous and uh, and treasure-laden places. And this is something that gives me a way to do it without me having to be that sort of creative. Hmm. Because, honestly, um, I was that nerdy when I was in my 20s. I could uh, sketch out um, uh, out maps to my heart's content and sometimes to my players' content. But nowadays, I will take something pre-genned which I can fix and make something of. It won't be ideal. It will need uh, tweaking, and sometimes tweaking to make the uh, the encounter survivable. But it's enough to make a few encounters and a few significant achievements each week 
for the players to build up on. Mm. And that, I think, um, is a sort of minimalist pleasure that I want to get back to. Yeah, I think it was D&D 4th edition, which barely mentioned... I'm doing fair, this is the version, the edition that nobody liked. Um, but yeah. it's, it, it had about two paragraphs on role-playing, which basically came down to you can do some silly voices, and if you're the dwarf, you talk about axes and beards and ale a lot. And this is obviously very basic, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's not fun. My my, well, us, th- my usual argument is that you you could take a modern board game that is designed to give you that much opportunity for role playing, mm. i.e., nothing that really affects the game particularly, and has much more streamlined mechanics these days. I guess people would talk about Gloomhaven for that. Yeah, but you know, so, sometimes you also want to be able to say, "Well, we want to do things that the game designer didn't think of." And that is what RPGs. Yeah, well, I would. I'm going to say that so far, I'm finding that the players' years of practice of, of bickering and, um, and and improvising dialogue and acting as the characters would is still coming through, and they are they are taking pleasure in not in not in being generic dungeon bashes, but um, being a specific um, cat cat person thief hmm. or uh, or a specific dwarf or a specific glowing priest of the sun goddess hmm. and um, uh, and and they they're bothering to to be consistent in in character and making themselves useful to to the story to the expedition to the hmm. party and that when you can do both why not do both absolutely I mean, they're going to go back to the uh, to the town, and they're going to have political com- complications eventually dealing with the people um, of the uh, of of the countries they pass through. And eventually, I'm hoping to build it up to the point where we can run the Nordland campaign or parts of it. And uh, Northland is the or Northland. Is the is the Viking an- analog um, that's been brought out under license for Dungeon Fantasy, and it's um, I think they could mo- we, I could move them as Outlander visitors to there and have a final time doing um, errands for the gods and generally as you do um, and generally get, getting involved in Viking politics, and from that this to that strikes me as something we could. Uh, we could play for some considerable time, but a lot of it would be down in down in the dirty, down in the dungeon, and uh, whacking things. Mm. A thing that I noticed is that I, I don't think this is specific to, to the GURPS dungeon bash. But when the focus is on combat, I, I found it became much more technical than the usual style of um, games, specifically GURPS that I run. I it mean, is, yeah. most of the time in a typical session, there is chat, 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 describe, describe. I, and eventually I say, okay, you know, uh, roll, roll your search to see to search the room. And the, yeah. and the player says, okay, yeah, I made that. Right, well, you find this and this and there's more chat. I, I don't most of the time worry about exact modifiers or low lighting or any of these other things. But when, when it's combat... We're not, we're not trying to do narrative combat where the hero just barely wins. 
No, we're, we're doing. We're, we're, um, to, we're, we're going through it round by round and seeing what happens. And and at that point, I think it's important to be very much au fait with the rules. Yeah, we're being simulationist mm. uh, uh, down at that level, and we're trying to be fair to everybody and to and to keep track of things. I have discovered how rusty my skills are at this. I'm going to be taking uh, remedial measures to make sure um, that I keep. I keep things um, uh, accurate as well as flowing. I think that's part of the problem. I am used to saying, right, end of that round, on to the next round, and I'm not doing um, bureaucratic checks to make sure that I've got everything just right. And I have been reproved for relying on my memory, and I really can't. So I'm just going to have to get better at this so that I can combine accuracy and familiarity with the rules with um, uh, with flow, with a, a sense of... The, it, it's hard to maintain both accuracy and, um, and a sense of the immediacy of the threat to the players and mm. make sure, sure I, don't, I don't keep um, monsters alive when I should have killed them five, five turns ago. I'm one, one of the classic bits of GMing advice is don't stop the game to look up a rule. But on the other hand, sometimes looking up a rule makes a difference between life and death for a player character, so it's it's a little trickier than that. Well, I've given the players, and they've given me um, leave to look things up and and leave to be aware that it's a long time since we've done anything like this. Mm. And, that, and therefore, we're going to have to look things up. We're going to have to check that we aren't using a version of a rule from another game system that we last looked up 20 years ago. Fair. And I think that's it. that's entirely possible. Yeah, so I, I can't remember the exact dates, but I think 20 years ago just about brings you into the early days of GURPS 4th edition. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, the thing that I was ended up doing wasn't, wasn't particularly a plan, um, was using some Pathfinder adventures, particularly the um, Kingmaker adventure path. Uh, which which a, is what, exactly? Okay, as far as I can see, what they mean by Adventure Path is a series of adventures, typically oh. six, that are designed to be started with fresh characters and probably they retire at the end. Um, okay. That an individual adventure is not necessarily a single location. I, it, it, the one I've been doing most recently has got a chunk of wilderness exploration and a few set-piece events... Okay, and, and it only looks unified when you finally completed it? Um, well, the, 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 there's an overarching narrative, which is, in this case, uh, you, you are establishing a kingdom in a bit of unclaimed wilderness. A good, uh-huh. good old American frontier myth. Um, it's, in this particular case, it's not, not particularly helped by the fact that the city management system was, well, it was written... Yeah, and one of the players is somebody who's very good at spotting loopholes in systems, and several of the other players aren't superbly good at it. But oh boy, they can spot the loopholes in this one. Yeah, uh, it, I seem to remember at one point the proposal was to have sixteen brothels and no other buildings in the city. Specialization is the name of the game, mm. or something. The uh, so hang on, Pathfinder itself. It, is uh, I, I I seem to recall learning recently, 
is derived from burning wheel? Uh, it, it's a bit more complicated than that. Um, All right. What it's really derived from is is D and D three. Yeah. Um, when when various rules were changed and uh, there were lots of people who said, "I want to keep on playing D and D three like what I know," rather than going on to this new version. Yeah. Uh, and P- Paizo came along with this thing that is t- technically and in a very important legal sense not D and D. Mm-hmm. But it has some remarkable similarities. Yeah, um, it, it is. It is clearly descended from it. And does Burning Wheel come into it at all? Uh, Burning Wheel, I thought, was was the um, build builder and universe as you go along, terribly indie thing. Yeah, life path character generation. No, um, no. All right. In that case, I have uh, once again misapprehended, and we can erase this entire bit of the of the podcast if we like so what attracted you to it and what did you use from it and what did you throw away well what specifically attracted me to 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 the adventures was the the availability of adventures ah um, good point we have there, fudged there together lots and lots and lots and lots of adventures for pathfinder all right so this this is you and me both near simultaneously of being, oh, sod it, let's stop being creative and just run something. Yeah, I, I did have a look at some of the GURPS ones, and, you know, they're fine. I, I did, in theory, in practice, use the um, Cold Shard Mountains as the meta setting. Uh-huh. Because it's quite easy to bodge the pathfinder bits into that. Um, th- th- what this has meant, though, is that I am, in practice, the, the rules interface layer. Oh, and... Uh... And that's bad because it, it's not bad, but it, but it can be hard work at times. Um, Pathfinder, uh, Pathfinder is basically D and D system reference document plus bits, because yeah. that was the bit that was legally usable. Um, and it uses hit points a lot. Most yeah. of the things you meet that do bad things to you will take away some hit points. Mm. Uh, it it has conditions like like uh, dazed or whatever, but mostly, at least the stuff I've seen, it's about losing hit points. And GURPS isn't. GURPS has hit points, but it also has fatigue points. Um, uh, some, something that causes you to lose some points of strength for a while in Pathfinder yeah. might well be modelled as a, a, a fatigue loss in GURPS. Um, GURPS, I think, also has more more of the conditions. You know, distracted or whatever mm-hmm. uh, also of course GURPS characters don't have the great big heaps of hit points that Pathfinder characters do yeah um, you uh, I think the hardest thing to model from um, any D&D derivative is level drain or isn't that a thing these days uh, it certainly hasn't come up Okay. I, so I remember I... it being wildly unpopular even when I was playing D&D Oh, yeah, it, there, there are some damages that um, attack the core of the character, and that's one of them. Also, it didn't make much sense. All right, so you're actually using GURPS as the system. I'm using... Um, I, I'm slightly more on the GURPS Dungeon Fantasy rather than the Dungeon Fantasy RPG powered by GURPS side. Yeah. Um, in part because all the players are already f- very familiar with GURPS. Mm-hmm. Um so having full GURPS potentially there waiting in the wings doesn't doesn't do any harm. Um, we do, we are sticking with the Dungeon Fantasy templates. Yeah. Uh, 
but one of my players asked me um why we weren't just using GURPS. And I think I didn't actually say this to him, but I think the answer is we're using Dungeon Fantasy because that's what it's what not the adventures are are cast in and Michael is feeling lazy. Yeah, but also I mean the Dungeon Fantasy series, of course, is, is very extensive. Um but look looking at what one might call the specialised GURPS seri- um, set of series, which would be Dungeon Fantasy, Action, Monster Hunters, and so on. Yeah. Uh, after the end. Um, I think that in some ways these are effectively a worked example of the sort of prep work that a GM might reasonably do before running a specific GURPS campaign. Now, obviously, they, they I, yeah. are thoroughly worked examples. They go further than that prep work would usually go, but that's basically what they are. They're, they're, they're doing the thing that you're supposed to do of saying these skills are in, those skills are out. Yeah. And, and, so. and, and yeah, so I wanted something with a particular... I, I suppose that's another level. I wanted something with a particular cast of thought, with a particular view of things. And, uh, and that, that's what a worked GURPS setting does for you. It gives you it also lays traps you for you because it puts in assumptions and um and things you won't notice if you're a if you're a regular GURPS user and just skimming through, you won't notice the differences, which is another reason why we're giving ourselves permission to go and look things up. Make sure it really works that way in this game. Mm. Um I can't remember any examples of the... But there are definite differences. Um, there are differences in the way you work out the cost of equipment, which is a, an important thing for a, uh, for a kit-obsessed uh, setting like uh, dungeon bashing. And um, there are numerous other differences. Things intended, I think, to make it more playable. I wouldn't be surprised to see if there is a fifth edition, some of them turning up in... Um, in in a GURPS fifth edition, excuse me, I've got a cough. I believe uh, Sean Punch, the designer of uh, DFRPG and one of the designers of GURPS fourth edition, not to mention line editor and generally a prodigious contributor, um, has said that several of the things in DFRPG are things that he would have put in GURPS fourth had he but known. Yeah. Um, particularly the replacing the multiplicative um, equipment costs with the, with the with the additive ones. Yeah, because it uh, just gets silly when you, you know, you've got this thing that makes it times four and this this other thing that makes it times five, and there is no particular reason why it should be times twenty. So you just add the four and the five in the original one, and you say, okay, it's times ten. It's a bit more affordable. Hmm. The uh, what was I going to say? I think simplifying the costs of uh, of modifying advantages and disadvantages is probably another thing that's going to uh, going to happen if fifth edition happens. Which I'm not sure there's there's the market for it, but um, maybe they can make it. Maybe they can make it happen. I don't know. I'm certainly interested to see what happens. And um, we and we would both certainly buy it because we're that sort of sucker. Well, I, I significant. I strongly hope that I will be a playtester and therefore get a playtest copy. But yes, in, in principle. <laughs> Oh, you insider, you, you secret, you, ma- you secret man in black, you. All right, uh, not, so what? Not anymore. Uh, not anymore? No? Uh, no, the, the, um, 
SJ Games specific demo team uh, no no longer exists. So I, I'm still a writer for GURPS and frequently playtester and all those things, but but not actually technically man in black. Oh well, never mind. Um, you can you can hang up your your black. Yeah, go on. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> um, Pathfinder armor class now. Yeah. Pathfinder, like D and D, uses armor class to say have a sing a single measure for how difficult is it to hit and damage somebody. Yeah. Which is fair enough. I mean, it, it, it feels ugly sometimes, but it, it but it is clearly a gameplay abstraction to make things mm-hmm. run faster. Pathfinder also adds, I think it, I think they call it damage reduction, which works like GURPS DR and simply subtracts from the damage you take when you have been hit. Yeah, armour, in whatever justification. Well, that's the thing. I, I, depending on who was writing it and the, the particular stat line, you, uh, a heavily armoured monster may have a high armour class or high damage reduction or both. So what I've ended up doing, uh, they, they conveniently break it down um, to the you know, where, where does this armour class come from? You know, so How much of it is, is your natural hide or whatever? How much of it is mm. because you dodge about a lot? Um, which allows me to say, okay, the, the things that involve dodging, I, I will feed into into an active defence value. Uh-huh. Whereas the things that are tough hide, I will combine with the theoretical damage reduction and, and get a DR. And mm, I wouldn't do this in normal GURPS, but I'm actually running the Pathfinder monsters at pretty much their original hit points. Oh. Which at, at the level we're at is, you know, 80, 80 to 100 plus sometimes. Yeah, well. Because I... we have a knight uh, who can uh-huh. deal out, you know, th- 20, 30 points in, in, in a single round of attacks if, if, if the dice are in his favour. Yeah, I, I've, I seem to have ended up with a bunch of adventurers, um, nominally um, competent and, and advanced adventurers. 250 points who have ended up without very much armour each, and I'm somewhat terrified of what this is going to do to them. Well, to be fair, I think GURPS has always... I mean, it, it, has, it has supported armoured characters, mm. uh, and if if you're having you know a realistic sword against a realistic uh, plate, breastplate or yeah. whatever, then that, then that will work. But when you, when you get to the levels of damage that are above that... Uh, when, when you get to you know the, the mm. monster that can cut you in half with a single blow or whatever, um, your your five points of plate armor don't really help very much. And I and the thing that does is being alert and having a very high dodge or other defenses. Yeah, I I am sort of dreading the moment when they when they start meeting the really hefty monsters because it's been bad enough against the giant spiders so far, and um, I'm discovering how. Nasty, something with two D worth of venom in it, uh, in it can be to uh, a human scale um, PC. Mm. I've also discovered that, um, yeah, GURPS can can classify damage and classify armor in a lot of very complicated ways, and it's. Um, it does somewhat go go up against the the spirit of the quick fight and the quick triumph that D and D is supposedly trying trying to monitor. And we had a we had a positively theological discussion about whether a, whether magical armor means that is 
that uh, that his um, his his shiny uh, his shiny clo uh, priestly clothes are not damaged uh, when something whacks at him. Does he have the sartorial integrity perk? <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you for that. I shall have to look that up. Uh, do you have a copy of the what I regard as the most single most important table that is not actually in GURPS? Which is? Which is the damage type versus damage location table. So I, I have a copy of it over here on the other screen, so I can say, okay, so I, I am doing a small piercing damage against an unliving target. That is one-fifth, for example. Ooh. A unified, a, a unified the, uh, theory of hurting yourself or mm -hmm. being hurt. Um... I, I I have several copies of this printed out and stuck in the character in the campaign folders for various games I've run. It turns out to be useful remarkably often. I've got a feeling DF simplifies something like I think it, it eliminates one of the types of of um, damage from uh, fourth edition. All right, so we are contented. You are not doing yours no longer. I'm, I, I'm winding it down because I'm I'm trying to wind down various commitments at the moment. Okay. I'm, Getting a bit close to doing too well. No, I have been doing too much, but this this time I'm I'm spotting that I've been doing too much before I start burning out from it. Okay, well I am uh, I, I am I, I'm theoretically just running this one campaign a week and one campaign a month. So let's um, let's see how it goes. I do appear to be have some something like a bad case of DM uh, masochism. Hey. So you know. Um, I have a, I have a sense of guilt. If there's a game going without a GM in my in my purview, I think oh I I, I can do that. I can volunteer, sir. <coughs> there probably there probably ought to be therapists, you know, uh, uh, to 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 counsel people out of this state of mind. One thing I would like to ask: Have you had much in the way of intelligent opposition yet in your, in your game? No, no. So far, it's been it's been mon monsters. Because that's a, um, that's another thing in in the Pathfinder um, standard monsters. I I got to admit, the Pathfinder having a standard format for listing monsters is jolly useful. Now, once I got yeah. the hang of it, it uh, GURPS, GURPS has this too, particularly GURPS DF. Yeah. Um, yeah, all, all, you, all the stuff is there, and it's always in the same order, which which mm. is nice. Um, but all too many, even of the intelligent opposition. It just says this monster fights to the death. This monster fights to the death. No, <laughs> no. Oh. I, I, it is inconvenient. It is inconvenient. There were. I mean, you, if if you're not a fanatic, you might be yeah. running away, especially if you think your chances of it are reasonably good. It's hard even to justify total um, fight to total fight to the death, even if you're not intelligent. Animals usually have the intelligence. Once their their mates get killed, of running away. I mean, I could justify it by saying this is a pack; they fight for each other, and then they die. But um, it, it is it is a um, a failure, I think, in um, in design and in in assumptions. It makes it easier from the point of view of the dungeon delver who is going through sweeping and cleaning um, a thing underground so that he is no longer infested. And that's one of the things dungeon delvers do. 
but um, it's not really very realistic. And sometimes they, uh, the evil should run away and fight another day. Also, I'm just thinking of it from an evolutionary point of view. And granted, the selection pressures within a dungeon bash world are, are a bit strange. But uh, so, say you have your you know, pack of hunting spiders or whatever. One one feels that the ones that fight to the death would be outcompeted that, that by the ones that fight to nearly the death, but the last two sneak off and start breeding somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I... I feel I I feel a terrible temptation to introduce a general theory of why the dungeons are there. Um, worlds which have that are worlds like Shadow, not Shadowrun, Earthdawn, yeah, Earthdawn, 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 yeah. Uh, Earth, uh, have have well, certain I, I love advantages. that. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we built these underground shelters to to deal with the magic apocalypse. Now the magic apocalypse has gone away. Some of those shelters got broken into. And have horrible things in them, and yeah, yet I mean, they, they they may also have our mates living down the bottom. So we want to find out. Well, I, th- I I'm tempted to do that. I really, I really want to. Uh, that that I've seen some very appealing. Um, this is why. I mean, you you brought one one forward yourself. This is why there are underground um, mazes with monsters in them. This is why. Every underground uh, um, complex built for whatever purpose is full of hideous things, and and dungeon delver is a, a recognised profession. But I think I ought to resist this in the spirit of um, not painting myself into a corner with inconsistencies and um, well, not I mean, going against least... not not going against the the the, the ethos. Of the of the old fashioned dungeon crawl. There, there is at the very very least, um, it's an unstable situation. I mean, um, dungeons are getting cleared out faster than new dungeons are getting built. Yeah, but dungeons aren't being blown up and and filled in uh, as fast as they're being cleared. Um, so, uh, so Im- I want <laughs> what imagines the the uh, the dungeon scout scout and estate agent. Who goes around um, and uh, draws the attention of the various wannabe evil overlords uh, to this nice little property, which has uh, room for considerable improvement, but um, has many interesting features, um, including a lava pit. Now you don't see lava pits like that nowadays. You don't, now, now, do you? Bob the Lich just got taken down, and you know, put it put in. You know, it would really suit a, a small family of kobolds with room to grow. Yeah. Uh... Uh, no, no, no. There's no, there's no comp, there's no competition. There, there is a wyvern, um, in, in the in the lower, um, in the in the lower wet cavern, but but you are hardly see them. No, yeah, I mean they, they, this is uh, good neighbours, wyverns. Occasionally hungry, yeah. Cold, Cold Shard Mountains, which is one of the GURPS Dungeon Fantasy uh, books, yeah. has a whole list of. The various reasons there are underground structures, you know, natural tunnels, old tunnels dug by the petrophages, the the tunnels burrowed by the beetle people, the dwarven tunnels, <laughs> the demonic tunnels, and so and so on, uh, and and indeed why why they look different from each other, so you can go down one and say, aha, this this is definitely a beetle tunnel, or whatever, mm. which is which is quite fun, and, and of course over time, you know, the dwarves move out. The, the um, limey water starts dripping in, so you get stalagmites and stalactites, that, that kind of thing. 
there is um uh there is a thing i have which is called um how to host a dungeon <laughs> which is basically designed to create a layered dungeon with um with an account of its history that you can then later fill in with actual rooms and things. I suppose you could do it with, with something like microscope on, on a smaller scale. You know, this is why it was originally dug, and then this is what happened to those guys, and then these are the guys who happened to those guys, and this is what they did with the structure that they inherited. Yeah, it's paleontology, but with uh, with some of the prehistoric things still hanging around. <laughs> We don't know what's da- we don't know what's down there. We don't like to disturb him. Why, why is this tunnel labelled Velociraptor? Uh, you'll find out. <laughs> yeah, if you run, run that way, not that way. So, hmm. uh, you, you were talking about roll twenty and character sheets at one point. I was, um, but presumably not in the in the face to face. Not. And not in the face-to-face. I actually, um, I proposed to a group, I'm about, you know about this, you're in the group, uh, about that I'm about to start running um, uh, Blades in the Dark for, about using the Blades in the Dark um, Roll20 um, system, which ties together both, which uh, which allows you to have the character sheets for uh, both the player characters and for the uh, for the crew mm. um, set up on roll twenty. Now, most people use roll twenty. Go looking at it in order to use the maps and the and the virtual tabletop thing. Sure. But my uh, my Wednesday night group has found the um, the character sheets um, on there much more usable because a it incorporates a dice roller. Um, and that 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 can automatically deal uh, display display dice roll results and work things out automatically if the character sheet's been um, created properly. And B it can and B it can help um, help you make um, the character sheets update properly and um, be visible to everybody, which is important in some sorts of games. The uh, trouble is, it's a cottage industry. It's not something that the uh, publishers will do for you. It's something that you have to have an enthusiast um, to put things forward, forward with. And <coughs> there are issues with the um, with the GURPS uh, um, character sheets, particularly the importing from um, GCA and uh, and GCS. And it's usable, but it's not as usable as I found the RuneQuest and the um, uh, and the uh, Forged in the Dark character sheets to be. Mm. It it makes life easier. It makes things more open, and it means it makes it easier for the GM to look at people's character sheets and say, "Ah, they've got that, so therefore I have to do this," and things like that. It's. I must admit it. It. I wouldn't have turned to it if it hadn't been for my friend Rob, whose eyesight went, and um, we had to uh, learn to love um, the online assistance that was available. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think for any um, 
or any role-playing, um, online role-playing, even if you're not using a virtual tabletop. That's If something like that is available to you, it is a major advantage. And that's why I have to mention it. Clearly, I should try this sometime. I mean, my, my feeling has been, well, you know, the players will send me a PDF when they've updated their characters, and I have a bunch of PDFs or, or GCA files if I'm using, if it's, mm. if it's GURPS. On the other hand, uh, on the other hand, just trusting the players is easier in some ways. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not sure it always brings good results, but I, I believe it's easier. Yeah. Okay, have we something else to talk about? Not within this section. Let us move on then. There is a style of GMing or a style... It's a style of the GM-player relationship, I think. Which... Back in the day, I and most of the people I played with regarded as basically toxic and to, mm. to be avoided. And yet it still seems to be carrying on, sometimes even among people who've been playing for quite a while. And I am curious. And this is the what, what I call the adversarial GM. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, it, it, this is most easily done in the, in, the, in the context of the Dungeon Bash type game. Yeah. Um, you you forgot to say that you were buying rations in town, therefore you didn't buy rations in town and you're starving to death. Or you forgot yeah. to say you, you, you sneaked up to the corner, but you forgot to say you were sneaking round the corner, so you're not sneaking, and and so on. A- a- anything that can be used against the player slash PC gets used. Hmm. That is what I would generally regard as asshole, Jeremy. Um, it occurred to me that this, this is ogre style, as in the war game. Um, this is a, a, a classic war game from the early yeah. 80s, designed in fact by Steve Jackson, um, where in the original iteration, one side has tanks and artillery and infantry and all these things, and the other side has one extremely powerful unit. Yeah. Um, and uh, why is that similar? Well, the GM has one extremely powerful... Uh, the, the GM can do anything he likes. No, no, no. But, but yeah. it's theoretically no, th- th- this. The, well, one of the reasons I think this is a bad thing is it spawns off into rules arguments, because my approach to GMing has always been, well, I can do that. I'm the GM. Hmm. Whereas if if you have the, this adversarial model, then the players will say, well, no, the, the rules don't let you do that. Well, there is a bargain. There is an implicit bargain that you are going to be um, running things by a set of rules. A model of how the universe works and you are going to try to be consistent i think i think there's a question here of scale when i say to the players did you bring this with you um then i can hand wave that a bit especially if it's something they might have and something that they could have and I might make them make an intro to see if they've remembered to bring something if it wasn't specified written down on your, their character sheet. Mm-hmm. But there's also a way in which I would be that sort of asshole because 
Um, when I say to them, uh, "What are you going to be doing? What are you doing this round? Um, what what is it you plan to do?" No takesy backs, axes. No um, rewriting history to uh, to cover the thing that you you realise you'd forgotten when you see the monster. You are stuck. You make the decisions as you go, and you're stuck with those decisions until you get a chance to do something uh, about it. I mean, I, when I think of um, adversarial GMs, it's the idea that uh, the GM is out to kill the players. I mean, that's there in the terrible um, early Gygax uh, dungeons we talked about, I think, last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and a dungeons where you're expected to die or, or there's a central trick to it which is expected to, to kill lots of people. And that's really adversarial. That's There is a winner and there is a loser and the winner is going to be me, the GM. That is not really a, um, a healthy way to behave. But on the other hand, on the other hand, taking maximum advantage of the situation with your um which with 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 your your preset up monsters and your um and your knowledge of the rules i think that's just making it real for the players it's it's giving them a sense that their triumph if they triumph is a real one yeah and the the monsters can certainly be as as smart as their intelligence allows them to be use whatever tactics they can support. I, another thing that I think blends into this a bit is Play Dirty, a series of uh, art, magazine articles later, later collected uh-huh. in, and I think, two books by John Wick. And it seems to me that that's very much the same approach. It, it's saying, ooh, look, this player has been stupid enough to have a dependent. You can use that. Uh, the, and what, what it, it leads to, and I, I've seen it lead to this in groups that suffered from it, is what what I think of as the egg character, the character with absolutely nothing distinctive about them for the GM to get a hold of. Yeah. And that's just uh, dull. Well, the, the, the trouble is that there is, there is the idea nowadays of co-creation of, uh, of the players and the GM uh each giving a little to make the world um, a, a realer, a more exciting, more interesting place. And some, yeah, I mean, what, what, some what GMs of, do do abuse that privilege. One of my jobs as GM is, is to be the rules engine. Um, another of my jobs is to cooperate in the storytelling so that what comes out is a story of we, we tried really hard and we, we just barely beat the villain. Yeah. Plus, plus or minus. I mean, I'm not going to force it to that, but that's that's what I'm generally tending towards. I'm I'm not tending towards. We tried really hard, and we all got slaughtered in the first room. Hmm. I'm facing that with the uh, with dungeon fantasy because there it has pre-set up traps and monsters and things that I take one look at and I think, oh, that's going to kill them. That's good. I have to find a way, in most cases, to um, hurt them a little, to give them a warning as they 
stroll into uh, all all blithe and uncaring into a horrible trap give them the one warning and then they have a chance to figure out a, figure out a way around it mm. and uh, and move forward um for example this is uh, spoilers for um for I smell a rat which is the setup the first adventure that comes with dungeon fantasy um there's a there's a corridor lined with evil blasting runes and they have um they are evil uh, powered by evil magic and they could and if you walk along that corridor you're li- liable to get at least one person killed there are ways around this but the uh but the way it's set up feels as if there's going to be death and destruction maybe i'm not seeing the um uh, the obvious way around it but i am going to fudge it that corridor so that um they can get through it into the rest of the dungeon mm. but i'm not going to fudge the monster that they find at the end of that corridor that's a trap monster set there to guard the room and guard the rest of the dungeon from intruders and there's no reason for it not to fight to the death and uh, fight as ferociously as it can. And if I fudged that, I think that would ruin the experience of the dungeon. You see the the, the sort of moral difference or aesthetic difference that I that I'm seeing, or not? Mm, I mean, the, the I I remember arguments, and indeed I may have made on what I would now regard as the wrong side of them to, to say that well, you know. A, a tenth level dungeon is just going to be too tough for a first level party, and, and uh, if if they try it, they they should suffer and die. Whereas I, I'm more to the okay, well maybe it is too tough for them, but let, let's give them plenty of warning. Well, yeah, this 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 one is I just I just think it's a mis um a misjudging of the threat level from the original authors. I can't read their minds, so um, and that trap looks really deadly to me. And I think the rule for a trap is it has to be mostly deadly. It can even do terrible things, but it can't destroy the party because the adventure has to go on. They have to reach the next room. Mm. Uh, they have to have a way a way forward. It could even be that there's a way for them to get out of there and come back with something that will protect them from uh the 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 the, the things in the, in the trap but i think that's part of the, so, the so what what job. So i i feel that the, the, the rector of the cathedral will ask why do, why do you want to borrow our choir uh and are you going to bring them back in one piece uh, i i don't know if the bishop would be available to go down as a meat shield <laughs> uh, yes yes he is very holy and evil things won't affect him. Have you have you tried, considered applying to the Pope? Actually, technically speaking, kings are you know anointed. So uh, mm-hmm. let's get His Majesty to the front of the party. Uh, another consideration. Uh, I think I may have mentioned this before on the podcast. Uh, classic paranoia adventure: The Yellow Clearance Black Box Blues. Yeah, has a lot of good jokes all through it. But you you run it as in the way that paranoia was run, and the party will be dead by a third of the way through it, and, they, and only the GM will ever get to see those jokes. I would rather the party get to share them. Yeah, uh, yeah. The problems of tone with um, with uh, 
uh, with uh, paranoia are, are prevalent in all versions. I was going to say, uh, yeah, I think I think that GMs and dungeon designers get carried away very easily. Um, they forget that the aim is for them to get to the end. Maybe it's the influence of um, computer games where you can um, save and restart from a from a saved point, and you will eventually figure out the way to get through. Yeah, though there there is a um, tendency, I, I think these days, to say that it, a game ought, in theory, to be solvable without using information that you, the meta player, have got from dying and re- and reloading. In other yeah. words, it should be solvable by the character in the game. Yeah, except there's there are a lot, there's always um, in computer games a set, almost always a certain amount of physical um, training and coordination, learning to use the game and the controls of the game, hmm. which you can't get from any other source. The other Whereas, thing, of course, you can, you can do is uh, stick the, the death and resurrection in the context of the game. Hmm. So, so you say, yes, your character is going to have to go in and die and resurrect and try again, knowing what, what they learned last time. But that's at least diegetic. Hmm. Well, the... The thing in Dungeon World, Dungeon World sticks you um, includes that into the game. There's a chance when you die that you will face down death, and death will send you back, adding a little complication to your saga along the way. I'm sort of uh, yeah, probably not better not put that. I'm sort of thinking of incorporating something of that into um, into my Dungeon Fantasy game uh, because. It would make life easier and make a making a plot out of the whole campaign a little bit easier mm. if supernatural powers started taking a, an interest in their lives every time they died, and uh, not necessarily the friendly ones. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing about supernatural powers is they 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 will save you from disaster, but they do um, they do want something in return, and, and they and are fe- canonically ineffable. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So you don't have a bat with them now, do you? But also, you may well simply not be able to understand their motivations, or at least that's what they'll tell you. I think I think they don't understand you. The the best is when they you don't understand their motivations until it's too late. <laughs> All of this was just so you could get laid. I mean, granted, Aphrodite, but <sighs> I'm a god. My sex life is cosmically important. All right. <laughs> You want that? that you want you want the demigod that's going to come from this from this mating. You want that that demigod to manifest in the world. You do. Spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> so where where is there a good maxim for where you put? I absolutely have to do this to you, though I don't want to. And where you put? I'm going to be merciful to you this time. At the very least, I'd like to have a lot of warning signs. Mm. Yeah. Again, let's use it, using the dungeon mash as the simplest model. Here is the skeleton of a guy with much better gear than you, who seems to be killed by the monster in the next room. <sighs> no, no, his weapon has rusted away. But oh no, uh... no, have it. It won't help. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that sort of thing, you know, something yeah. to indicate. Yeah, you 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 are going up against something that may well be more than you can handle. Also, and this this is certainly a thing in early D&D, it was just assumed that everybody fought to the death, at least in the games I played in. 
in mm. in part because early D and D didn't really have anything, any any state of being either anything other than healthy or dead, except mm. for dragons. Um, why did dragons get uh, get? They, they got subdual. Oh right, you, you you could subdue them and enslave them, and this was good. Um, but start with start start with the albears. Work your way up to dragons. <laughs> Um, but I think as we've moved on to systems that have some, uh, often quite a large span between you can't really usefully participate in the fight anymore and you are actually at risk of or dead, um, it, mm. it starts to make more sense to say, well, okay, um, the bad guys are shooting at all of you, but they won't bother to shoot at the guy who's already fallen over. And you know, maybe the last man standing has a uh, get us get us out of here spell, that that kind of thing. Mm. It is hard to find when you're when you where any when you when you're in a complicated dungeon, a dungeon with with um, levels and degrees of risks and points at which you can stop. It's very hard to find reasons for the players. Not to turn around, go back up to the surface, heal up, and patch their wounds, and come back with maybe with with a an, uh, some better armor. Well, I, I think some of that is solved. Uh, we we were talking with uh, Mike Mornard uh, many, mm. many many episodes ago, but I, oh, I gosh, think, a long time ago, right near the beginning. Yeah, w- but I think one of the things that we got from that was the the idea of the dungeon that moves on in real time. Um, in in some of the extreme cases, uh, okay, this this is Tomb of Horrors grade Gygaxism, but he was mm. strongly suggesting that you know you have to end the session. Well, the party is where they are, and wandering monsters can come and get them during the during the days or w- weeks before you next play. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sorry that 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 was not something that is um, uh, that is re- uh, we have to have a time stop. E- e- even Nightmare had time stops between between the. Yeah. Episodes, all right? But, but a less extreme version of that, I, I've certainly met. You know, in in the days of the four or six hour session, yeah, um, it was quite usual to say, "Okay, we're getting towards the end of the session. We we need to get back to town, or at least somewhere we can safely rest before we end the yeah. game." Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I I can see. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think that the carrot of going on and um, of go, of going on and getting the goodies is um, is is a useful one. The stick of other people will come along and steal it for you. Well, I don't think most dungeoneers believe there's anybody quite as mighty as them uh, who is going to be capable of um, taking out the monster that they have. So carefully crawled her towards. Oh, wasn't it? Well, I seem to remember it was White Dwarf many years ago. It had a series of articles called something like the Living Dungeon. And the the idea that yeah, rather than the, the, this monster sits in its room until you come in to kill it, yeah, uh, this this monster actually goes and does things. You know, maybe I mean, depending on the nature of the dungeon, maybe it goes out to look for food, maybe and then comes back to its lair, or maybe it goes out on patrol or whatever. Um. Yes, it makes it more complicated in terms that you don't know exactly where it's going to be. However, uh, that also says, well, you know, um, the, the, this the, this ogre didn't didn't feel up to taking on the entire kobold tribe that lived next door. 
but it turns out the Kerbal tribe was just called a sudden case of death. And um Technically, yeah, I, I there are there are dungeons where the inhabitants are living and there are dungeons where the inhabitants are long dead and don't feel like moving. Mm. And there are dungeons where that it's almost entirely dangerous stuff left by, behind by the previous inhabitants. I think it would be intending in entertaining to have a dungeon where um you if you don't go all the way you're releasing something really dangerous at the bottom of the dungeon and it's going to come out and start attacking the locals. I think that could be fun. Or indeed, you know, you, you are the lion party. Those guys are the hyena party. They're going to wait till you leave the dungeon. They're going to sneak in and, and see, 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 about, see what small treasure you've left behind. And quite possibly get slaughtered by the lich. But uh, hey. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you, you, di- you didn't bother with the copper pieces from those kobolds because copper pieces just aren't worth, worth the effort to carry them. They're, they're worth only to those guys. Yeah, right. The uh, We're drifting away from the adversarial GM. <laughs> well, we are... I, I think the, this is the thing. The adversarial GM shuts down all many of these fun ways of doing things. Hmm. Because the party always has to be going at maximum efficiency, gr- grim, determinist. Um, I, I will do my checklist. I will do my checklist the same way I do it every time. Uh, I think. I think that creativity and and exceptional monsters and things that they weren't expecting is the killer for the checklist. But and I think you. I think you are you, because players are players. And because the characters they are playing are player characters, you're going to get bursts of ego and bursts of, ooh, shiny over there in the middle of combat. And that is, in many ways, a good thing. They will mm. play about when they can, uh, when they feel that they can. But Unless it's been beaten out of them by too many total party kills when they were less than 100% effective. Let, let me say that I have never really enjoyed total party kills. I've delivered one or two of them in my time, but I've always felt slightly sick about the uh, the necessity of it. I thought it was a necessity in terms of consistency, but I've always tried to f- find a way for uh, at least one uh, one person to flee alone, and they alone are returned to tell you of the terrible things. Because if nothing else. Starting up a whole party's worth of new characters is just too much of a faff and a kerfuffle. You, you want to have characters building gradually and occasionally having to replace one or two, but um, I, I think this, are no. I think this became a convention in in some of the uh, classic Call of Cthulhu campaigns as well. That uh, you, 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 your cousin you, George turns up. Well, no, I mean, you would lose characters. Um, yeah. However, if some of you escaped and ran away and recruited some friends, then that was okay and you could keep playing. But if everybody died, then that was considered mm. the end of the campaign. And the world really should come to an end because there's nobody to prevent it. Mm-hmm. Though uh, I should perhaps mention um, John Dalman's Laundry Files game before the RPG was published in which one of one of his um, scenario generation approaches was take a Call of Cthulhu scenario, assume the PCs screw up, as PCs so often do. What is the situation that is left for the laundry to come in and deal with? Mm. 
Have we worked? Have we worked our way through that? We we generally disapprove of adversarial GMs. Yeah, who, I, but yeah, some but people I, seem. I don't know whether people actually like it or whether they're just used to it, but it keeps happening. I I I I I, I may have um, I may have you know trained my players too well, and they will accept. Yeah, no, no, they will mostly accept when I say yes, but you 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 didn't say you didn't say that. At the time, or yeah, but and we're not going back and redoing that now. But on the other hand, they are willing to tell me when I'm getting it absolutely wrong and being an idiot. So I think I may have a good um, balance for um, a bit, a bit between uh, generosity and unfairness. But I, I think sure. it may make maybe a consideration that. For most of us, our, our player characters are way more, way more organised and competent at things than we are. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't. I, I tend to assume, even in a system that doesn't have a preparedness stat, uh, mm. as in uh, Dracula dossier and so on, um, I tend to assume yeah. that you know you, you are you are a professional adventurer. You are not going to forget to buy rations, even if your character. Yeah, your character is yeah. not going to forget, even if you did. Yeah, and st- stuff like that. Oh, oh yes, of course, of course, you got some more uh, arrows when you were in town, or I'd have told you. Well, sorry, the the, the guy who sells arrows is, is off sick today, and you can't. But then, then you know that going into the next situation. Yeah, uh, if only to if only to cut through the number of dreadful shopping scenes. <laughs> uh, that I have to do. I, I tend, I do tend to take that that point of view. What well, was it, Aaron Alston, who pointed out that role playing games are basically fantasy shopping for guys? Yeah, um, it's fantasy going down to the rifle range with your latest pur- purchase mm. for guys. For guys who could who couldn't p- pick up a claymore if if they if they you offered them one. Which side towards enemy again? Oh, that hurt. I, I, I'm going to say I, 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 I'm going to say I have a moderate, moderate fondness for some of the behaviour of the really strict GM, but for the GM who sets out to slaughter and defeat the players, that's not fun. It's not what you're supposed to be there for. Me, me of thirty years ago would be shocked to hear me say it, but these days I regard myself as, to some extent, a story facilitator as well as just a, a rules and simulation engine. Yeah, but uh, you have to have both bits of software in your brain if you're going to be able to run a game. Mm. Onwards. <laughs> want to tell us of the occasions on which you were incredibly mean to your players, uh, then you can reach us via... Uh, leave a message on the website or email podcast at tekeli.ly And we'll be back again ne- next time with more of our accumulated wisdom. We may have to get some more wisdom in, Roger. Ah, there's plenty left. Are you sure that's wisdom? It's, it's, it's oozing a bit. Mm-hmm.